Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hello and welcome everybody into another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. I am Greg Esposito, ahoy hoy. Our usual host, Tim Tompkins, is somewhere, I don't know. He'll probably be joining us uh, eventually on the show. But uh, as always, uh, my partner in crime, Dave King, is here. Dave, how are you today? Hey there, hi there, ho there. How's it going? <laughs> okay, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> I don't know what that was. And we are very honored to have oh, a... Mr. Ahoy Hoy. Hey, well, you know, hey, it's a nautical term, all right? Or a Simpsons term, however you want to look at it. Uh, but we have a very special guest on the show today. Uh, she is uh, the writer behind the great new Suns newsletter, Valley Tales. It is Gina Mizell. Gina, thank you so much for getting up early on a Sunday and uh, talking with us happy to be here and one of the weirdest things during quarantine is that i've somehow become a morning person which makes no sense given what my schedule is normally like during the season but um yeah eight o'clock is actually not super early so happy to be here and and yeah glad to be with you guys you used to be up you're used to being up this early to get flying we know that's the, true yeah, yeah. Team, hashtag team no sleep is usually that's it hashtag course. team yes. no sleep so, so gina <laughs> but no when you're, you're staying up till two in the morning to write and then I mean, you basically sleep whenever you can. But yeah, somehow I've sort of moved into a, a normal type schedule, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to ask, when you named the newsletter, uh, when you say Valley Tales in your head, do you go woo right after just like the uh, the DuckTales theme? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I didn't actually think of that. I thought obviously I was trying to play off of the, the Valley Boys thing um, and just didn't I, I i'm really bad at coming up with names but i sort of had a nice ring to it but now i probably will do the ducktales theme song when, when i whenever i'm writing something or look at it every time every time now it that you my, put it in her head great yes. good job hey every it's time wonderful. it hits my inbox that's what i hear and and i i had to share that so uh, gina i know it's been a, a interesting road for you uh during quarantine obviously some changes uh how how are things? How are you are you feeling with uh, still writing about this team, but uh, some of the, obviously the career changes with uh, with what's gone on? Yeah, no, it's obviously been a, a strange few weeks. Um, it's been it'll be a month tomorrow that um, the, the athletic decided to to let people go, and and I was part of those layoffs, which was really I mean it was hard. And I I wrote in my first piece for Valley Tales that. Even before all of this happened, um, layoffs is kind of a twisted rite of passage in journalism, and I had never been through it myself personally. I had every single place I had worked previously, I had gone through layoffs, I had watched friends get laid off, so I, I had experience with being involved with it, but it, it never personally happened to me. And so, yeah, that was really hard. I You go through a lot of emotions. I sort of feel like I went through the seven stages of grief in a span of like four or five hours, but... Um, as I sort of explored what to do next, whether it was short term or long term, um, I kind of just kept kept coming back to the fact that I wanted to at least finish out this season on my own terms or at least try to continue what I was doing as far as the type of coverage, the type of writing with the Suns being part of the restart. And so um, I, had, I had a friend in, in the business who actually brought up, he was like, hey, have you heard of Substack, it's a place where a lot of writers are going, they're creating their own newsletters, they're able to sort of, um, it's a very easy platform to create your own content. And so I did some more research into that. And I sort of decided that was a good place to continue to 
keep doing what I'm doing. And so right now it's free. Um, once games start, I'll, I'll go to a subscription model and, and, you know, you'll be supporting me personally, not necessarily a company or, or a place that I'm associated with. And, and that's sort of what I'm, I'm hoping to do. So it's been a, a really cool adventure so far because the support's been pretty awesome. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. And, um, Looking forward to continuing to writing and, and seeing how the rest of the season goes. Uh, I, if you haven't subscribed, I highly recommend it. It's the same quality uh, writing you came to enjoy uh, from Gina all season long, but you don't have to use an app or anything weird. You can get it right in your inbox, and I I, I, I really have uh, enjoyed it, and my laziness has, has, been, has been very appreciative of it because I don't have to go hunt it down. It comes right to me, which is nice, so. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's right to you. Um, and yeah, we, I, I promised at least like two stories a week, but even in this first week we had four because of Monty Williams being mm -hmm. available, DeAndre Ayton being available. So, um, I think there, there's a great chance there'll be more through all this restart and, and it'll be both, you know, current stuff about the team, but also kind of those off the beaten path type stories that I love writing and that we did a lot at the athletic. Um, that's, that's something that I hope to continue. So I'm looking forward to, to continuing to br bring that coverage. Yeah. For our listeners who decided over the past year that they were not going to pay for yet one more subscription service and never joined the athletic as, as readers, which actually, um, I, I joined the first day when I knew these guys were going to the athletic and I thought it's been an incredible service, uh, for the price that you pay. Um, not that I'm pushing the athletic anymore. I'm just saying I've been, uh, been a subscriber of the athletic since they started. And a lot of our local fees people went there. Some of our best writers went there, including Gina. And it's, it was, it's been great because you get real quality there. Uh, they had a hell of a model, just not enough people subscribed, I guess, at least in the Phoenix area, because partially because the teams weren't so great and partially because, uh, people just don't want to do one more subscription model, but the past is the past now. You guys are so lucky. You get to actually, if you just sign up, go on, on Twitter, um, Gina, find Gina Mazel on Twitter, and you can find the link to her newsletter, and you can sign up for the newsletter in there. I'm sure you've got it pinned on your profile or something like that, Gina. Yes. Um, yeah, and you'll see the some of the sun, best sons writing in the Valley. And uh, I, look, I'm not ashamed to say Gina's even uh, a lot better than me. And if you guys like my writing, then you're going to love Gina's writing. So please uh, get on her newsletter. And then when she starts needing subscriptions um, or asking for subscriptions, sign up. It's worth it because Gina really does a great job covering the sun. And if you're really? like if you're like me and you hate Dave's writing, you're really going to love Gina's writing. So I yeah, highly yeah. If you recommend you want a it. real journalist <laughs> who really, really knows what they're doing. Read Gina. If you want someone who just has fun with this and and pretends that he knows what he's talking about, read me, yeah. or just read both of us. <laughs> G Gina, uh, we're all in quarantine. You have time to read all the things you, you want to. This is the time. <laughs> if you need right. if you need hype men, we're here for you, Gina. As we as we've proven in the last five minutes. But I I want to know you you grew up here. What what was it like to cover? I get to cover the Suns this year. Uh, we'll get into some actual basketball talk, but I, I, as somebody who uh, grew up a fan uh, and, and got the chance to work for the team, uh, I, I've always wondered what it's like for other people to go through a similar experience. Yeah, it's pretty. it was pretty awesome and still is pretty awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I born and raised in Phoenix. Um, actually, both my parents are also born and raised in Phoenix, so that's really rare. Um, <laughs> and, and so getting a chance to 
come back, um, it, it, you know, basically almost 10 years after I graduated from ASU um, was pretty remarkable. And, you know, I was five and during the 93 finals. So that was like very my early years of loving sports. And then the Nash years were when I was in high school and college. And so those were very formative years. So um, very much my childhood was defined by those two eras. And so to be able to come back and cover this team and not just cover the team, but to, to be around people that, um, you know, growing up, like it, my spot on press row at home games was like right behind Al McCoy. And it's like, what is my life right now? Or, you know, meeting Tom <clears throat> Chambers and Tom Leander and, and just like the whole, the whole crew that, um, would be on my TV when I'd be watching games as a kid was, was pretty awesome. And so, no, it's, it's one of the, even though the last month has been really challenging, like that's one of the highlights of my career and the highlights of my life is to be able to come back, work in my hometown market, cover a team that I grew up following. And, and that's been, yeah, it's been unbelievable. And I'm so thankful that I had an opportunity to do that and still have, you know, some opportunity to do that continuing on. So no, I'll, I'll take that with me forever. And it's been incredible. Did you have the Al McCoy experience where you heard him curse uh, at all? Uh, well, <laughs> I, that, that blew my mind. Uh, I actually think you sit in the same seat I sat in when okay. I worked for the team. And uh, there were a few times that, that Al would turn to me and, and would say something or uh, in the press room would, uh, would drop a curse word. And nine-year-old me uh, who, who grew up listening to him, my head was about ready to explode because I was like, whoa, Al McCoy just said a curse word. Right. Well, it's still in that, like, velvety voice, too. Yes. Like, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't lose its cadence or its... its in that little that so, little body, you know? So you've got the... Oh, yeah. Al McCoy looks like someone's grandpa. He looks like the actually the dad from Up after going on a diet. And then... Um, and, and he's got that little voice and the velvety voice, like you said. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's talking like a sailor. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, no, getting to know him has been uh, really, really cool just because, um, and I, I think I wrote this in my intro piece when I joined The Athletic two years ago, is when I was in high school, um, I was on my newspaper staff and, and a friend of mine on the staff with me, she somehow had a connection with the Suns and we were doing a piece about people's jobs. I don't remember, like it was a whole like centerpiece project type thing. And we somehow scored an interview with Al, like the two of us went and interviewed him and I'm like, you know, 15, 16 years old. And that was like the thrill of a lifetime at that point. And, uh, just, I, I wrote about that and Al read it and was like, and, and so we've kind of like had that connection ever since then, just, just because of that. And so, no, it's been really cool. Um, just getting a chance to know him and, and, um, yeah, it's again, things like that are, are things that I will never forget regardless of what happens, um, you know, from here on out. Well, all right. For our listeners, let's get to, uh, let's just give a quick, uh, um, outline of what we're going to be covering on the show today with Gina. Um, and, and Gina, you can say the whole time you can bow out at any point you got to go. It's, we usually go about an hour or so, but you're welcome to, uh, just, you know, sign off whenever you need to. It's totally fine. Uh, but anyway, we are going to talk about adding campaign. Um, he was added last week as the 15th roster member. We'll talk about the uh, scrimmages. Uh, they're going to happen ahead of the actual real games and what those scrimmages can do teams, uh, what, what, what the benefit of those are. We're going to recap. I don't know if either of you guys have watched that 40-minute DeAndre Ayton film session with Mike Schmitz from ESPN. That was probably, I mean, my God. 
I was almost pregnant after watching that thing. I was just so good watching, listening to DA talk about playing defense and actually knowing what he's talking about when he's doing it. And the great thing is 40 minutes is like one answer from DeAndre from a question too. So Mm -hmm. I think it was, Oh, he is so good. So good in this interview. Um, and then, um, uh, do the Suns even have a rival on SB Nation? It's rivalry, rivalry week, and uh, I had to actually rack my brain to figure out if the Suns actually have a rival or if there's a budding rival team. And then, um, we'll then we got to go to the creme de la creme, the coup de whatever the all these fancy, <laughs> fancy terms are. Dave, the trying to speak lead French. for the show is. When is Devin Booker going to get traded to the Knicks? <laughs> do we want to do we want to just start there? Because I, I don't no, feel like we, we got to let people okay. just chew on that for a little while. <laughs> well, now that now chew that... on it, that's got to be our that's got to be our our climax to the show is Devin Booker's likelihood of getting traded uh, this early in his contract in the next year or two. Well, now we got to talk about that. now that Dave has, has shared the cliff notes of the show, we can move on. Uh, let's hop into Cameron Payne at being added to the roster this week, uh, signed as a uh, like 14th backup point guard. Do we, and signed for not just the remainder of this season, the eight games and whatever playoff run they, they make. I'm still saying eight. No, I'm, I'm, still there for some eight reason. And, oh, eight. No, that's, yeah, that's after this week. Eight. No. Uh, yes. Uh, but looking at it, do Dave, we can start with you. Do you feel that Cameron Payne has a legitimate shot to, to get major minutes in Orlando as a backup point guard? Because this season, uh, you know, Elliot Cobo, Javon Carter, Ty Jerome, none of these guys actually really seemed to step up and take hold of that, that role behind well, Rubio. So do you think Payne can do that? Look, you're talking about a guy who's also been out of the league for a year. This whole season hasn't played for any NBA teams. Uh, he can't to the rim. He can't, he can't stay healthy. Uh, this is a shot in the dark. This is definitely a 15th man signing. I mean, this is not your future backup point guard. This is a 15th man signing. The problem is the Suns have been employing backup point guards that are also 15th man signings. And so you don't know if he's going to do well or not. If he does, great. And if he doesn't, it's no loss. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. It's, he's been signed for an eight-game prorated NBA minimum salary. And then um, I believe it's a team option. Gina, do you know uh, what the – I think it's a team option with small guarantee. for. Yeah, that, so- that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, and so, look, campaign, he, he can shoot and he can dribble into a shot. There you go. He can pass. There you go. That's actually kind of what Monty wants. <laughs> the, the only reason that this might work is, A, Payne has been humbled and now because he does have lottery level talent um, as opposed to some of the other guys on the team. And uh, he may have been humbled for with his year out of out of the league and maybe uh, he's ready to play and he can get healthy. Maybe he's healthy. Um, Another reason he might succeed is Monty Williams coached him in his rookie year. Monty Williams was the assistant or associate head coach of the um, Oklahoma City Thunder the year the campaign was taken one pick after Devin Booker. Now it's so funny. The Suns have four players on their roster from the 2015 uh, draft, and there's actually a picture that's been floating around the internet of those four players of Campaign, Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, and Frank Kaminsky from draft night. Um, so it's possible that Cam will play himself into a spot. We know we don't 
We're not impressed with how Elia Kobo has handled the backup point guard spot. We're not impressed. Well, I'm more impressed with Javon Carter. I love that kid, but he can't pass. He can't really run an offense. That's the problem with Javon. He doesn't really run an offense, but he plays defense like a madman, and he can hit spot-up threes better than anybody else who's backing up Ricky Rubio. Um, and then Ty Jerome just looks overmatched this year. He just does. He might look, he'd be so much better next year. It's possible. But he just looks overmatched. So uh, why not give campaign a chance? We'll see. Dave, I feel I like I may be campaigning for him after uh, a month. Uh, 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 so, so Dave, I, that picture you mentioned, I think, is a, a stark reminder that things could be worse in Phoenix because Frank Kaminsky was rumored to be what, who the Suns yeah. really wanted with <laughs> that Devin Suns Booker really pick, wanted. and they could have the taken Celtics Cameron too. Payne no, right no, after Celtics that. Somebody else. Yeah, that, and and they could have taken Cameron Payne, uh, who went one spot at. Uh, after Devin Booker. So it always if can be worse. It but, can be worse. But Gina, what are your thoughts on the uh, campaign signing and what he'll be able to or, or won't be able to bring when they resume play in Orlando? Yeah, well, I think the point that Dave made about Monty Williams being his coach, I think that certainly helped them take a flyer on him. Just at least there was some familiarity there. And if you're sort of looking for a person to fill that 15th roster spot, it, it makes sense just given the connection. And, and I think that, you know, the, the fact that he has maybe been humbled or at least has had some time to reflect in his year away from basketball. And, and I think that will potentially serve him well, at least mentally heading into the situation. But number one, it's going to be really tough for somebody coming in who doesn't know the system at all to try to figure it out. They don't even do group workouts till they arrive in Orlando. How quickly can he pick things up? Again, does it get to a situation where if the Suns don't go 8-0 uh, in Orlando, when do they maybe pivot and try to just give some guys some opportunity and see where that goes? But, uh, yeah, it's I mean, backup point guard has been something we've talked about all season as far as just needing somebody for, for this team to just seize the opportunity and seize the job. And so I, I guess give one more guy a shot, see what he's got. And like you said, he's there's a reason why he got – picked in the lottery he's got some talent and got some ability and I think that the fact that Monty highlighted his passing ability in this offense that's so predicated on quick decision making and, mm. and being being fast and having good instincts I think that that makes some sense as far as why he was a guy that they went after too so I don't know I'm curious to see what he does obviously he performed really well in limited sample size in the G League but that's a huge difference between being a point guard in the NBA but I, I'm not quite ready to say that he's the answer there but i i understand why that's another opportunity to say hey let's give this guy a shot and, and maybe see what he can do yeah the g league's an interesting thing I, some guys don't do well some do it's totally different than the nba that's the thing in the g yeah. league i mean ty jerome overmatched the g league players too this year so as a rookie ty jerome looked like he was so much head and shoulders better than most of the g league uh greg that's a terrible camera angle man come on I'm not, I'm not on camera. Just talk, Dave. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, campaign actually being one of the better uh, G League players this past year. Uh, and uh, he only played 15 games of their schedule. But like I said, Ty Jerome also did very well in the G League. And so um, you, you just don't know what that means. Elliot Kobo did pretty well. DeAnthony Melton a year ago did pretty well in the G League. So we'll just see. The great thing is that these guys have weeks to actually get up to speed. They've got some scrimmages. They've got the scene games. Um, we'll see, like Gina, you said, uh, we'll see how 
how long they stay focused on winning. Uh, if they don't go two and one, three and one, then you you know you might as well play guys for next year. And it's basically a summer league tryout. So um, I think this is important. I think it's important that the Suns actually fi- filled their fifteenth roster spot. What I also think is this bodes very poorly for Elia Kobo, uh, his chances of coming back to the team. And Ellie was the one that Monty uh, trusted the most this past year, I feel like, because he just kept getting those backup point guard minutes, even though he couldn't really produce. So I think this is really important in that uh, this uh, the beginning of the end for Ellie. Also could potentially be the beginning of the end for Javon Carter, though I'd love to have him back here um, in the same role he was this year. So, Dave, are, are you saying that you don't think Cameron Payne's going to throw away his shot? Sorry, I had to make the, Ham- uh, had to make the Hamilton reference. About this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys both brought up uh, Monty Williams uh, in, in talking about having Coach Cameron Payne and everything. Monty talked this week to the media and, and the quote that it kind of went around everywhere was that they're not going to Orlando to ride space mountain. Right. Uh, how, uh, how impressed are you with Monty's confidence? I mean, I know that he's been in the league uh, for a very long time he's a well-respected coach, but he came in. Uh, and to me, from what I was able to hear of that, that call, I, I left having more belief in, in these guys because he, he seems like he, he truly believes that th- this team is going to be locked in and be able to compete rather than just show up where a lot of people feel like uh, the Suns, the Wizards, they're just going to show up here. Gina, you can, you can start with that. Well, I think they, I think he's taking it as a chance that, hey, we've got an opportunity where we're one of those last teams that snuck in, and so we might as well try to take advantage of it at least you know even if you don't run through the schedule and now challenge for a playoff spot but look at some rotation stuff look at some personnel groupings look at some style play things that you've examined during this hiatus and at least try to figure out some things that might work or gather more data that can help you build this team so yeah i think it because monty said it on i think wednesday and then uh, deandre ayton said it the next week or a couple of days later kind of echoed the same comments mm. and so i think that's a it, it shows that it's kind of permeating throughout the whole team that these are guys that want to play that want to have an opportunity to to show something even if it's not making the playoffs it's showing that they've made some progress and so i think that's that's sort of the mindset that, that they have is like okay we've been allowed to be in this 22 team bubble let's at least make, make it the most worthwhile. yeah exactly no, absolutely. I'm sorry to. I was just kind of finishing the sentence because that's what I was thinking too. Is they they want to make the most of it. We've heard from Frank Kaminsky, we've heard from Mikkel Bridges at some point. We've heard from uh, now, obviously DeAndre Ayton this week. DeAndre Ayton did a Zoom call with local media on Thursday, and then um, this this big long interview, an incredible interview with Mike Schmitz, came out uh, the next day or the same day, either one. Um, and DeAndre Ayton is really excited. And these young guys are really excited about playing in uh, in the uh, in the bubble. Um, they're very they feel fortunate to be there, but they don't feel like they're going to get stepped on, and they're not there just for everybody else's game. Even DeAndre said, "Look, man, you y'all think we'll smile and all that, but no, we're going to be competing. You know, we're not just there to have fun. We're not just there because we're happy to be there. We're going to be competing, and I think that's really important. I mean, we've seen a lot of subtle um, off court." growth from DeAndre Ayton this year 
in terms of how he interacts and how he thinks and how he shares his thoughts um, and the depth of his thoughts. Like a year ago, he was just happy to be there being on the court. And now, now he's talking more about competing. And, and while there are some Suns fans who roll their eyes a little bit whenever he says stuff because uh, he kind of said dominating and all that, but uh, he's got more depth to what he's saying now. And I think DeAndre Ayton is, is really ready to show as long as he can stay healthy. Now uh, let's talk about the, the healthy part. I don't know. Did any of you guys get, uh, get tuned in at all to the, uh, the tournament, the basketball tournament yesterday, it kicked off yesterday. It's that annual summer tournament of uh, half a dozen teams that are fighting for a million dollar pot. No, Dave, usually I'm, not, shows I'm, on ESPN. I'm not that yeah. starved for, uh, for <laughs> sports. Yeah. Yet. Okay. So it's kind of like, it's just this, uh, you know, how um, there's the, the three on three league or whatever, the big three yeah. and all that. Um, this is this, it's called a basketball tournament. It's a bunch of uh, just random guys who, who, haven't made it in the league and, and are out of college and all that stuff. You're, and now you're they're, really selling they're this just, to me now. I, uh, it sounds, it sounds thrilling. Like, like it's the, yeah, yeah. no, but it is, it's street. basketball. It's actually <laughs> basketball and they're playing for a million dollar, a uh, million dollars to the winner. And anyway, it's a microcosm of how you're trying to survive in playing basketball with the pandemic going on. So mm-hmm. I digress a little bit. They've spent the, these guys have spent the last 10 days in quarantine and what quarantine means is they actually can't even see their teammates or anything like that. Uh, physically, they have to stay in their rooms. They have to they have to pass these COVID tests uh, for, for, you know, being negative results before they can play. What's been interesting is they're trying to do a hurry up. Like the NBA is doing a little bit of a slower roll to weed out the sick players before they and maybe get them healthy before the season starts. This basketball tournament thing in Columbus, Ohio, you know, that's 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 how big it is. Um <laughs> Uh, they have had guys for 10 days in the quarantine. They've already lost three or four teams that have had to bow out because of too many positive tests. And they've got players who are sitting out because of the chess while the games are going. Um, and it's just, it's just interesting to see these guys, but this whole time they've been totally locked down. They've masks, tests, um, total isolation, uh, not going anywhere, but their hotel barely practicing until it's time to practice and they're trying to play and there are no fans and they're doing all the right things and they're still getting positive tests. And these guys, um, and, and so I think it's going to be real interesting to see how the NBA goes with this. The other problem potentially with the NBA restarting is if you try to do it too quick, you might get some, these weird soft tissue injuries where guys are sitting out. And DeAndre Ayton already has a history of ankle, ankle mm-hmm. rolls. Um, he even talked about in his Zoom call with us on Thursday that it took him a while to get over the last ankle sprain he had he suffered right before the shutdown. If you if you recall, the reason Aaron Baines had 37 points in the one game against Portland is because because uh, uh, DeAndre Ayton was out again with another rolled ankle. Um, so the guys, it took him a while to get healthy. He said he he called it a bone bruise, and um, uh, it's possible that the, some of these guys will get real injuries plus COVID um, being out, and that makes you out for two weeks at a time. So it'll be real interesting to see how this tournament, uh, this this bubble games unfolds. But I'm excited, and I hope the Suns stay healthy. They're certainly in the right frame of mind to go there. I mean, you're right, Dave, and we talked about it. Uh, the bubble boys are going to have a lot against them here. It's not only having to play one of the, uh, a tough schedule throughout this. It's trying to stay healthy. Uh, it's it's trying 
to avoid uh, injury as well. And this is going to be a grand experiment. I'm not even sure uh, the NBA itself is 100% confident that, that, that this is all going to work. But they knew they had to try something because there's so much money on the line. We talked uh, about that. It's no secret that, that a lot of this is happening because of the money that that's on the line. But Gina, uh, we've had a lot of opportunity to talk about this the last few weeks, but we haven't uh, had a chance to have you uh, discuss it with us. So what are your thoughts on how this Orlando restart will work and the chances that we're actually going to see an NBA finals in October? Yeah, it's going to be a grand experiment, like you said, and I'm I'm hopeful that everyone can stay healthy and, and that anything that comes up, the league is, is prepared to at least react and respond accordingly. But the bottom line is that we just don't know. And the whole past four months have been just this unknown whatever just in our daily lives. And so um, I, I think what you brought up, Dave, about just even when players have been doing everything right and teams have been doing everything right. There have been some issues. I think you look at um, the soccer teams that have also been going to Orlando and there have been multiple examples on both the men's side and the women's side of players getting it even after like they've gotten to Orlando, they've tested positive, even when they've started, you know, tested before they flew and then tested positive once they got there. And then that means, okay, were they sick on the plane and who else may be sick? Like it just, it creates a whole, it creates a whole mess potentially. And so I, I think the league is doing everything that it can. Um, I, I did not read the entire hundred page document that came out, but I've certainly read and seen enough to, to know that they're trying to leave every, every option on the table and leave no stone unturned as far as protocol. But something I feel like it, it has the potential to happen that just, what, what, what do you do? What, what do you do if the worst possible scenario happens where a team has an outbreak or, LeBron gets it or Giannis gets it or, or whatever. Like what, what is the tipping point to be like, okay, we have to stop and we can't go on because there is one, but I don't even know if the league quite knows what that is yet. So I'm fascinated to see what mm-hmm. happens. I hope it all goes well um, just for everybody's health sake. And, you know, then the basketball stuff, if we go through the whole thing, I think it's going to be really entertaining. There's going to be games all day. We're going to still get a full playoffs. It's going to be different with no fans in the stands and all of that, but it has the potential to be awesome. And so I hope that it is, but there is sort of that lingering, gosh, I hope this works. And and I think that's where, how most of us feel at this point. Well, yeah, all, all it takes is if you guys don't wind up having it and a bubble turns into a Petri mm-hmm. dish real quick. So, but, <laughs> I, but, but you're right that the idea of basketball uh, at all hours of the day is, is fascinating, especially for those like of us. Like the tournament. Yeah, exactly. And especially mm-hmm. for those of us that are, that are working from home, right now because of all right. this it's like oh my gosh i can watch actual basketball while trying to uh, get whatever work i have to do if my boss is watching i won't do this so, of course not but uh, of course you yeah, won't no, no not at all just like when we were in college we didn't bring a laptop and watch tournament games while you're supposed to be in some psychology lecture yeah. or something no i never did that ever <laughs> dave didn't do that he's too old they didn't have laptops back then but you and i gino we definitely <laughs> we definitely did that back in the day but yeah so hey man when i I was that age cell phones are big bricks and uh the car phones were still actual with cords <laughs> they had to stay in said car yes uh, <laughs> yeah. so you you guys both uh again listened to deandre ayton's interview upon it a, a little bit in this but when you were listening to him 
how prepared do you feel he is? I heard a few of the comments that he said, well, I spent a lot of quarantine uh, playing NBA 2K, staying up late at night. Uh, it sounded very much like, a, again, a college mentality for, for a lot of us. Uh, some fans are concerned by that. For me, I took that more as he took it as a chance to decompress since they had the opportunity and he's ramped it back up since then. But I'd love, uh, I'd love your perspective, Dave. Why don't we start with you this time? Oh, I was doing some Twitter stuff. Sorry. Let's start with Gina. Gina, Gina. why don't we start with you? Dave's not listening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, again, those of us who have been around Aiton, you know, almost every day for a couple of years now, I think we, and Dave, your point, I think is really valid in that he has learned how to be thoughtful in his answers and there is more depth to what he says. But also he does, uh, he, he does sort of, he's he's honest to fault sometimes or the way he he frames stuff if if he would have said hey I really you know I took some time to decompress I spent time with my family I took my dog to the park uh I played a lot of 2k which y'all saw on the NBA (laughs) players tournament anyway you know I I like to play video games in my free time then maybe it wouldn't have been taken the way that I think some people took it but yeah I, I mean shoot haven't we all binge to watch TV shows, books, watched Hamilton. We've all done things during this quarantine time that we don't typically have time to do. So I think that was just, yeah, I spent a lot of my free time hanging out, playing video games, which I think a lot of us did. And like you said, uh, Dave, the first part of quarantine, he was still trying to rehab his ankle. And he said part of the reason why it took longer for him to recover is the fact that no trainers or medical staff could come to his house because that wasn't allowed. So he's like on FaceTime with a trainer, not really understanding all the terminology. And they're trying to walk him through how to, you know, work his ankle and stretch it and rehab it. And so he was kind of stuck for a little while anyway, even while all this was starting. So, yeah. yeah. And you know that physical therapists and trainers and all that, they work us a lot harder than we would work ourselves. Right. (laughs) Totally. So, you know, he was, he was only, I mean, Look, I'm just a regular dude, but I rolled an ankle a couple of years ago, and it took six months to stop feeling the pain from that yeah. and to have the full strength back in the ankle where it didn't re-roll because I kept re-rolling it when I go on hikes, and it's just so frustrating. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you don't have a, a real trainer who's pushing you and, and pushing you through the pain uh, to get to the other side, then it's going to take a while. But even even in NBA, I mean, once you I know players have talked about this before in prior years as well. Once you roll an ankle early in the year, you the NBA rigors of the NBA don't allow you to fully heal from that through until the end of the season. And that's just other soft tissue injuries, too, not just ankles. But um, and uh, it's just because you don't give it a chance to just rest and heal. So possibly his ankle will be okay, but he's also had other off seasons. They rolled him again because he had ankle issues this rookie season too. So I think DeAndre just needs to grow into his ankles. That's what he needs to do. He needs to get, <laughs> he needs to get stronger ankles with age. Um, and uh, hopefully, hopefully he'll be able to do that. Um, I was so impressed. Now I've always been an Andre DeAndre Ayton defender. So um, caveat here. I've always looked for the positive in DeAndre Ayton's comments. When he, uh, when the Suns were down, I think it was 32 to nine or something after one quarter in 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 one of the games in his rookie season, he had and they never came back in the game. He admitted in the locker room after that game, Gina, you were there. We all rolled, we all uh, circled around him, 
And then he says, you know, man, when you're down 30 in the second, in the first quarter, you know, you're not coming back. So I just knew the game was over. And at that point, we were just kind of going through the motions. I was just like, oh, my God, you know. So he made these comments. And, and some people who heard those comments felt, oh, geez, he didn't even care. He didn't even try to come back. Of course, you can come back from 30 down. This is the NBA. He knows that now, but he didn't at the time. He was like, good Lord, down 32 to nine or whatever the score was. That's crazy. Uh, but now he's had a year and a half and he knows what he's what he's what he's doing that. Um, if you guys haven't seen it yet, he did this really cool interview with Mike Schmitz. Mike Schmitz is with ESPN. He used to be with Valley of the Suns, by the way. Uh, he used to cover Phoenix Suns basketball. Um, but then he went national. He works for ESPN. He works in their draft group now with John, Jonathan Gavoni. Um, and he's always doing these film sessions with prospects. But now all of a sudden he did one with DeAndre Ayton as an, as, and maybe that's his first of many with uh, current NBA players. And I thought it was great. They spent 40 minutes. Schmitz would show Ayton a good defensive play and then a bad defensive play, then a good one, then a bad one. And basically getting Ayton to talk through what was happening in all those plays. Not only did Ayton remember every single play, but he talked about what was happening, um, whether he knew what was happening or not. So when he just totally let guys blow by him, he was like, yeah, I don't know what I was doing there. And I love it one time. One time when a guy was driving and Aiden just kind of stood and watched him, he's like, man, I don't look at that. I, I don't even I don't look good at all. I'd have dunked on me. You know, he was just so refreshingly honest about himself. Mm-hmm. But also then talking about the best players he was able to shut down this year, especially guards. He loves switching onto the perimeter and then checking a guard. He's he knew exactly where's where's John Morant want to go. Where do all these guys want to go? Where do these really good players want to go? What do they want to do? And he knew what they were going to do, and he anticipated it, and he cut it off. He cut off that drive and made them do something they didn't want to do. And he just was so in tune. Those are the most words I've ever heard the guy say in an interview. And he, he did most of the talking for 40 minutes. It was really fun. Go on ESPN. Go on YouTube. Look for Mike Schmitz, DeAndre Aiden, and you'll find this 40. There's a 12-minute version, and there's a 40-minute version. If you have the attention span for the 40-minute version, you won't regret it. It's really fun. But anyway, that's the growth of DeAndre Aiden. At one point he said, look, man, you can watch all the film you want. But what you actually have to do is play these guys. And then you learn from that. And then you play them again, and it's different. Um, he got he got owned by Nikola Jokic in his first game. The first game against Nikola Jokic, he just got owned. Jokic had like a triple-double after three quarters. DeAndre Ayton had only five points and eight rebounds the whole game. The Suns lost by 30. By their third matchup, which is this year, um, Ayton led, you know, Ayton was incredible. He had almost a double uh, 30-20 game almost against Jokic. And Jokic was good, but he wasn't as good as the first time because Ayton knew what Jokic was going to do. So I, I just love the growth from this kid. And his, his Zoom interview was really good as well as um, the uh, interview with Mike Schmitz. And I can't wait to see play. And I really am just crossing my fingers that the kid stays healthy, stays unsuspended, and doesn't get COVID. Uh, Dave, if you're uh, done angling for a job with Mike Schmitz, I'd like to uh, hear more from Gina uh, here. For me, <laughs> for me, I've always found uh, Aiton refreshing because in this business, it, we always are asking for guys to be honest, to be open, to share a little bit more about what they're really thinking. And DeAndre Ayton does that to a fault at times. And some people ha- have held that against him. For me, I find it refreshing. For you on the beat, how, do, how have you felt about that? 
I, I completely echo that. And, and the times that maybe he's been honest to a fault or again, maybe not worded something in the most polished way. I, I take it back to the fact that he's a 21 year old and he's still trying to find his way. And then also, and not to get on a media soapbox, but when he was in his one year at Arizona, he hardly talked the entire season. They wouldn't let him talk. And of course, part of that, I'm sure, was because of the NCAA investigation and all that was going on with that. But he didn't have the the media training as far as being in a scrum, being around people, speaking for the team in that way. And so I think when then when you come to the NBA and we can request to talk to you after every practice, every shoot around, every game. I remember, Dave, you might have been in, in there for this, too. But the first preseason game, when all of us were in the locker room and he was like, what are y'all doing in here? <laughs> you know, like he, he just didn't even know that that's how this works. And so that just shows this sort of naive quality to him that yeah. uh, it, it just it shows that he's he is a little bit younger. I don't want to say he's immature because obviously you're a, a millionaire playing basketball and a lot's expected of you, but he just kind of has this youthful quality that is part of what makes him such a fun person to talk to, but also can sort of not necessarily get him in trouble sometimes, but it kind of makes some of his answers seem a little bit uh, wacky or a little bit, why did he say that? Or gosh, he should know not to say it that way. But I, I do find it refreshing. And, and he's a guy mm -hmm. that um, yeah, he's, I think he has grown a lot in that way and over the year and he can, he can be very candid and very introspective. Um, I remember a game last season against Utah. It was late in the year. It was probably the worst game of his NBA career. He was just terrible. And he basically owned all of that. And he was like, I don't know. I, I was just, I, I was terrible today. This is the worst game of my life. I don't know what happened. I did this bad. I did this bad. I did this bad. I need to be better. And so for, for someone to take ownership of that, I think is, is really good as well. And so, no, he's been one of the most interesting players that I've gotten a chance to cover in my entire career, like, you know, covering college athletes, pro athletes, whatever. And, and I'm also really fascinated to see how he continues to grow, not just as, as a player on the basketball court, but I think three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, remember when DA was... 20 years old and what he, what he was like back then. I think that's going to be a really fun thing to, to track as we follow his career. Yeah. I remember that, uh, that scene in the locker room too. And it was funny what he did. He was coming out of the shower and he just had his <laughs> towel and he was like, Oh my God, what are you guys doing here? He actually went and grabbed his clothes and went back in the showers to change <laughs> into his clothes, then came out to talk to us. And he, he was, he was like a little bit of putting your, your pants yeah. on underneath the towel yet, which they've all, if in the NBA, you know how to do that, which we all appreciate as people. Who we do very much appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's a fun game of, of don't look in the wrong place. You know, when we're in the locker room, those guys right are now, changing. That's what I do. <laughs> well, or just look up and away, you know, I mean, it's like, make sure you're not when you're zoning out, thinking about the questions you're going to ask in the interview. By God, make sure you know where your eyes are facing, because obviously none of us are actually looking at anything. But if we're thinking, sometimes you don't know where your eyes are looking at. It looks like you're at. So we're all the masters of look up and away or down. <laughs> yeah, that humility. Like, uh, look in front of your face. You know, it took yeah. it took him a while to get comfortable with this, and then and then look here. I don't know if you uh, would ascribe to this, Gina, but I feel like. Those who actually were in the, like talking to DA face to face live, uh, in person, we didn't take his 
some of his comments as as so um, not dumb, but unnecessary as people who read those quotes online later. Like when he said, like when he said, all I I, look what do you want to what do you want to he was asked, what do you want to get out of the NBA? What do you want to do in the NBA? And he answered off a couple like I was in that second contract. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And we all took it as, look, he just wants to play in the NBA and be good enough to actually, I took it as, mm-hmm. he wants to be good enough to make it to a second contract. Mm-hmm. And other people took it as, he's only in it for the money. That's all he cares about is his back. Yeah. And it's like, that's not what he was saying. He was actually being extremely humble because he is, he owns everything. He owns every bad game he has. He owns, he uh, has fun and makes light of the great games he has, and he owns all of his bad games. He was just saying he wants to be good enough not to be out of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone took it as all he wants is the money. He doesn't want championships. He doesn't want playoffs. I'm like, dude, was 20. Mm-hmm. 20 years old. Let's give yeah. him a break. Yeah, I was, I was... There, there have been times that um, just, it, again, when you read a comment online or you read it on Twitter, or even if you see just the clip but don't see the full interview to get the context of what they're saying. Right. And again, that's our job as reporters is to put things in the proper context. And so that's why sometimes I really, I, I'm cautious about just putting a tweet out there without any context or without having the proper writing around it to explain the situation or to, to just provide more information. And, and I can also say there have been times where, um, particularly on the road when maybe there's less media around or there's only a, a couple of reporters that he knows personally. Um, there have been times where we've talked and it's either been just me or it's been like me and Dwayne or it's been me and Lindsay Smith or somebody like that where everything goes off and he'll sit there and yeah. talk with us at his locker for like five or 10 more minutes. And, and he's, he's not BSing you. He's like really, and he like is asking you questions about, did you see that play? what did you think about that? Like he, he wants to engage with you. And, and I think that's, um, that just shows that, you know, there, there's, he, he's going to keep growing in that regard, I think. And he, he's learning, he's finding his way and, Maybe it sounds like we're just making excuses for him because some guys do come in the league and are very polished and very know exactly what to say and when to say it, but that's not his personality. And so I think once you learn what his personality is and you can move past, like I'm, we're all just presenting what his personality is. And I guess people can, can take it for whatever they want, but mm-hmm. that's, that's my job is just to be like, this is, this is him. And you can you can decide how you feel about it based well, on that. And, I and you know, I'll we've been in the locker room for years. You've been in other teams' locker rooms for mm-hmm. years. Obviously, you covered the Nuggets before the Suns. Um, I mean, you say college and all that. Mm-hmm. You can tell when a player is full of it. Mm-hmm. You can definitely tell, and it's hard. And then uh, you have to go out of your way to put the player in a context where you're not making him look as bad as his comments made him look. Right? Like there's there's there are players like that. You can tell they're full of crap. Uh, what they're saying um, is just they're just they're just throwing things out. And yeah. Greg, you know, obviously, oh, Mike, you were in the Michael in the Beasley locker room for Michael, five years too. Michael Beasley was a guy that, especially working for the team, you had to do that a lot because he would just say random things, and then you're like, well, this isn't going to look good if X, Y, and Z if it's taken in X, Y, and Z way. Because yeah, he just say things to 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 say things. But I you know, I always took, and I never took the comparison from a basketball perspective, but from an off the court perspective, 
Kobe Shaq makes a lot of sense with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, because Booker came in uh, as a 19-year-old kid, was all business. I had never met a 19-year-old that was as polished, as focused, uh, and as just put together with the media as Devin Booker. And then you look at DeAndre Ayton, and he's very much the fun-loving, easygoing, which was very much Shaq uh, in their in their L.A. days as well. And I kind of see that dynamic here. And I think Ayton probably, it, it's a disservice having had a, a guy like a Booker uh, come through at a young age and be so uh, just put together and, and and focused that way with, with the media. And then DeAndre Ayton coming in and being more fun-loving, having that personality, just wanting to, to show that love that he has for the game and, and in general, I just think it's a, it, it's contrasting, but I don't think there's anything wrong either. No, you gotta yeah. be you. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And so I, I think, yeah, it, it's just, it's they're they're two very distinct, different people. And um, again, our job as reporters is to provide context and interpret the, the comments and to have to, to know these players well enough to be able to distinguish between all of those levels. And, and, and yeah, that's what, what I hope we're, we're doing as far as relaying those on to, to the people who are reading us. All right. So let's, we teased it at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Let's, let's get to the big topic this week that uh, shouldn't be a topic at all, but screaming a Smith decided to make it a topic. <laughs> uh, he, he, on first take, uh, I believe it was first take, uh, it may have been get up. I, I can never keep which morning show ESPN has these guys on at, at any given time. But uh, he mentioned that Devin Booker uh, should be traded to the Knicks. And now I totally no context, really just came up uh, in a conversation about about the Suns. They were going through each of these uh, uh, each of these bubble teams. And, and he said, oh, uh, Booker would be great for the Knicks. Why in the world do we keep hearing, in particular from Stephen A. Smith, he, he had a Lakers for Kyle Kuzma earlier in the year, but why why do we, you guys feel that we keep hearing uh, just these uh, these ridiculous rumors uh, being thrown out there involving Devin Booker? Gina, well, uh, let me just okay. add, add to the pile just a little bit. Also, in the same week, I believe, Mark Berman of The Post, um, a New York Post, um, also wrote that watch out for, or maybe is in the last few months. I don't know. But since Leon Rose joined the Knicks front office, Mark Berman has commented, watch out for Devin Booker being a top target of the Knicks. And then um, separately, Josh Jackson got into a, a little fight and match with somebody on Instagram this past week. And he said, you think Devin Booker is going to waste his whole career in Phoenix? So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, we've all been worried. Look, we, we're the dude with the hot girlfriend who, who knows she's going to leave him as soon as she finds something better. And then we're always worried about being left behind. Dave sounds um, like he's speaking from experience here. I have never had yeah. this feeling in my life, but yeah, that, that's all right. I know Dave. you married the first one who said yes. So, um, so we've got, we've got the dude. <laughs> yeah. I have a thousand um, batting percentage. Yes. I married the one that said yes to me. That's, uh, that's the way it works, Dave. <laughs> so um, we are that guy. We are that guy who's worried about, Sure, her leaving us. So Devin Booker is really good, and he's been playing for a crap franchise. We know this. We know it. It's gonna it's gonna happen that at some point he's gonna he's uh, uh, he might turn into an Anthony Davis, where Davis was totally loyal to the Pelicans for seven years, seven, not four, seven years until he said, you know what, my agent talked me into it. I really got to get to a better situation, and he got himself there. 
Will that happen to Devin? We don't know. Might it happen to him? Sure. Devin might want to get himself out of Phoenix if the Suns never show any confidence. I tell you what, we cannot lie to ourselves. The Suns have not shown any confidence, any ability to put Devin Booker on a playoff team. So until the Suns do that, we deserve to be threatened with him leaving. Now, do we believe Screaming A? No. Do we believe Mark Berman? No. People are just trying to put two and two together. Leon Rose used to be Devin Booker's agent. Devin Booker, when Leon Rose was hired by the Knicks, Devin Booker said, good for them, great hire, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Devin Booker also said he loves Carl Anthony Towns. He loves D'Angelo Russell. He loved, he, didn't, he never wanted to leave the Suns. Every time Devin Booker says anything, it's that he loves being with Phoenix. He loves the history here. He wants to bring the Suns a winner. So why do we keep putting him, putting ourselves in a situation where we think he's leaving when he keeps telling us he loves us? What, what drives me nuts is, is the fact that a lot of these national guys that bring this up are the same ones that, are, that say, oh, Devin Booker isn't that good. Devin Booker's just a high-volume scorer on a bad team. And then they turn around and they're like, whoa, he'd be, he'd be a great number one for filling the blank team. It's just there's, it, there's a lack of consistency. Gina, you've, you've been around Devin Booker uh, as, as we have as well. And what, what are your thoughts on just why people aren't taking it at face value when he says loves Phoenix, doesn't want to go anywhere, and these rumors keep persisting? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's all the stuff that Dave just said. The Knicks connection, of course, is because of Leon Rose. And actually, the first time that uh, Mark Berman was asking Devin about Leon Rose was at All-Star Weekend. And I, he was standing like right behind me. So <laughs> I remember that exchange very well. And and yeah, obviously, Devin's going to be really complimentary of his his former agent and, and of him moving up in his career or taking on a different challenge. And if you're the Knicks... Of course, Devin Booker is going to be a target for you or like somebody you would love to have on your team. Like, why wouldn't he be someone you would love to have on your team? Um, I, I I kind of sort of equate it to not, not totally equate it, but it reminds me of two years ago when um, LeBron signed with the Lakers. There was reporting out there that the Nuggets tried, like wanted to get a meeting with LeBron. And it's like or and I think the term that the, that was used in, in the piece was were aggressively pursuing LeBron. And I'm like. <laughs> Well, I would love to aggressively pursue Justin Timberlake to be my husband. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't we all? So, so teams being like, oh, we'd love to have this guy on our team. Well, of course you would. I mean, that's – and we'd love to pursue him. We'd love him to be a target. Well, of course you, you, you would. And – that's what your job is as a front office person is you're always looking at who could be a great piece. Who do we have connections with? Who, who would make sense here? Like you're always doing that. And so I think that it makes a lot of sense, but just to, just to, just to say that, Oh, this is where he's going to go. We're always going to go to Minnesota because Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell are there. Like, again, things can change. People's attitudes can change. But like you said, everything, anytime that Booker has ever been asked about it, he talks about, how much he loves it here, how he wants to, he admires Larry Fitzgerald and a guy who's spent his whole career in Arizona, that he wants to be the one that helps pull mm-hmm. the Suns out of the the situation that they've been in for the past decade, not be the one to look for a new opportunity. But a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, whenever, I mean, we've all, as humans, we've all gone through situations where a job situation was great or a life situation was great. And then suddenly you're ready for something new or suddenly it's not great. It doesn't mean it wasn't great at that point in time. It just means that maybe it's time for something new. So 
we can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't say that Devin Booker is going to be a Phoenix Sun for his whole career, but we also can't say that he won't. Like, we just, we don't know. Things change, things move. There are all these moving parts. So um, for now, though, at least every time he's been asked about it in the past year, he's he's committed to and expressed his loyalty to Phoenix. And so I think we do need to at least believe him from from that perspective. Vincent in the chat uh, said, ban him from going to hair salons. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so leave what would be great al- is if Devin Booker alone. says, I'm not going to a hair salon until we win a playoff game. <laughs> look, <laughs> and they just grows his hair out. Look, I, That'd I, be awesome, right? I love the Knicks coming up in, in, in all these conversations, right? They're like the, the person that shows up on every season of American Idol and it just it bombs the audition every time. They have they're yeah. in the they're in the mix supposedly for every big free agent, every t- every guy that comes up for <laughs> for trade rumors, and they never wind up with anybody. So I'm not, the Knicks when, aren't who uh, I'm concerned the, about until LeBron. Also the Lakers too, uh, since um, since uh, Doctor Bus uh, passed. So, but the Knicks, man, the Knicks. Remember when they traded KP? Chris, Chris Tapps, yeah, and it was because <laughs> because they had a guaranteed the guaranteed all these players have promised to go to the Knicks this summer, and so the Knicks are clearing space for their and people talked about it like it actually had already happened, and that was in February March when he when they traded him February, um, and then nobody went to the Knicks, and we all knew except everybody but Nick Knicks fans knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. That, that's no, why. So uh, the Knicks, the problem is the Knicks have the big fan base. And so that Stephen A. Smith interview was put on, I think it was on YouTube and it had like a, a half a million views. <laughs> so that's why, that's why there, you there, is, there is like the allure of the garden in New York city. And Devin Booker has said that that's his favorite place to play as a lot of players say it's their yeah. favorite place to play. It's one of my favorite places to go cover a game. Um, so again, people try to connect these dots and, and it's just, it's, it's not always, accurate i guess (laughs) or or, are always you're you're reaching a little bit or okay yeah so it would make sense for the knicks to want to sign devin booker to trade for devin booker of course it would but that doesn't mean it's happening hey look so if booker if booker actually insists on getting traded it's not going to be the knicks (laughs) because they're not they're not any better they have no better owner they have no better front office maybe leon rose will be good maybe he won't but at this point he's not good because he hasn't done anything yet um, and they have a much worse record of, of winning. And so I don't see Devin Booker insisting on going there. Right. You know what would be like the nightmare of nightmares for me? I don't know if I could even handle it. I might just break if Booker wants to go to L.A. Hey, look, look, it, it is the uh, I think it was the eight year anniversary of Steve Nash asking to go to L.A. earlier this week. So I, I never say never when it comes to that. Yeah. But, you know, it's simply just put it at 201 East Jefferson, just put the uh, the theater lighting around the court like they have at the garden for Devin uh, during That's this renovation. Doing. Yeah, exactly. And he's not going to. He's not going to know the difference. He's going to love playing there, too. I think it's just the lighting at, at Madison Square Garden when you go to a game. It, it's unbelievable, the feeling. So hopefully they can kind of replicate that in downtown Phoenix. Hey, isn't that true? Didn't we hear that they're going to put in theater lighting? Yes. No, it is 100% true. It's part of the, the, yeah. the remodel. So, yeah. And all cool. for Book, too, because they all know. Everybody knows Book loves that theater lighting. And also the, the Jumbotron is going to actually be Jumbo instead of Minitron. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole, I can't wait that 
the arena well, as soon as we're allowed back into the yeah. arena again. Did you uh, go on the tour? Were you on the... No. The, I, I, I they, that got sent out to the business group of media, and I never signed myself up to that until after I heard about it. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah it was cool because we were able to actually walk out onto the pavilion area, and like that overlooks the bowl. And at that point, they had taken all the seats out, so it was totally empty. But being able to, to just walk from the front door all the way to the court isn't going to be pretty neat. It reminds me of Sacramento um, and how their new arena is configured. So, yeah, it's going to be really neat once it's all finished. And, yeah, like you said, we're all able to actually be in a game setting, <laughs> sitting close to each other again. Won't that be nice? Yeah, when we're oh, able my to gosh. Things in public again? 2025 can't so... get here soon enough. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Gina, At this rate. It yeah. might actually, it's the new timeline, right? <laughs> totally different than than what we used to deal with uh gina yeah. before we get out of here please let uh the listeners and the, and the viewers know how they can find you how they can subscribe to valley tales yes so uh probably the easiest place to find it is uh on twitter which my twitter name is just my first and my last name g-i-n-a-m-i-z-e-l-l or you can go to Valley Tales, V-A-L-L-E-Y-T-A-L-E-S dot substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K dot com. And yeah, we'll have all kinds of new stories popping up both this week and moving forward as we head into this uh, restart experiment. And if you decide to turn it into a podcast, you're more than welcome to use the DuckTales uh uh, a joke I used earlier in the, in the yes, in the uh, that'll have to be in the theme song somewhere. <laughs> so so uh, definitely, definitely subscribe. Um, and uh, uh, it's obviously free right now, and you're getting a lot of content in there. And you can tell how great Gina is when you read that. And then it should be an easy subscribe at the end of the month when they start actually playing games. Let's assume that teams will be playing at the end of July, and it won't get reshut down. Yeah, get yes. Get out there, support Gina, support Valley Tales. Uh, we need more coverage like what Gina provides in this town uh, throughout sports, not just with the Suns, but in particular with the Suns. So please do go support her. Uh, it, it's important for all of us because we need that kind of kind of coverage to hold teams accountable, but also to be entertained as well. So Gina, thank you so much for taking the time out of your uh, Sunday morning to uh, talk with, with Dave and I, I know it's not the ideal situation, but we appreciate it. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys having me and appreciate the support and looking forward to all that's to come with the games restarting. Great. So if, if you guys want to support the sun solar panel in the notes, uh, Below, you can click the support the show button, or if you're watching on YouTube, new opportunity here, you can press the join button that you see near the video or on the front page, and you can uh, also subscribe that way. Uh, the support really helps us as, you know, we're not making a, making a lot of money here, but we try to do this weekly for you, so we always appreciate anything you're willing to do for us. So for Gina... For Dave, I guess kind of for Tim, even though he uh, he never showed up. I'm Greg Esposito. Uh, hoy hoy, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week here on the.